Good morning. How are you this morning? Great. Enjoying the warmth? It's more than warm, isn't it? Do you enjoy the pressure cooker out there? With all the heat and humidity and uh, are you staying okay? I was driving through Franklin Park yesterday and all of the traffic lights in some of the stores were out. They said all the AC was draining things away. But uh, there's power here because there's power in the Lord and um, we will worship together today. My name is Earl James. Uh, I work for you. Um, I'm employed with the Reformed Church in America as a denominational official. And uh, my wife and I, Norma, have for the last two years lived here in New Brunswick. And uh, it's when, when Pastor Doug asked me about a month, month and a half ago, if I would come and share with you today, uh, I was very excited about that. I've had opportunity to get to know some of you through other um, sort of situations and uh, very much has been looking forward to coming and share with you at Second today. So, greetings again. Let's pray. Give me a pure heart that I may see thee, a humble heart that I may hear thee, a heart of love that I may serve thee, a heart of faith that I may abide in thee. Amen. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body. The peace of the Lord be with you. Let's stand and share a sign of peace with one another. Our help is in the name of the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Be not afraid, for God is in our midst. When things happen over which we have no control, God's way is the way of peace. Therefore, God is glorified when peace reigns. Please stand if you are able. confess our sins to Almighty God. Let us pray. Have mercy upon us, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercies. Blot out our transgressions. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin, for we know our transgressions and our sin is ever before us. Create in us a clean heart, O Lord, and put a new and right spirit within us. Cast us not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of our salvation. Uphold us with a willing spirit, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. 
For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. Believe this gospel and go forth and live in peace. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Guide us, O Lord, by your word and Holy Spirit, that your light may see light. In your truth and find freedom, and in your will, discover peace. For Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The word of the Lord is taken from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 13 verses 24 to 30. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the servants of the householder came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? And he answered, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather the weeds? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, and at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is from the word of the Lord from Psalm 139, verses 1 through 12. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful. It is high. 
and I cannot understand it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the morning and settle on the farthest side of the sea, even there your hand shall guide me, and your right hand shall steady me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, well, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for to you, dark and light are the same. Let's pray. Dear Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you and be helpful to those who hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Our gospel lesson is unique, I think, among the parables because while it does not talk about uh, how valuable little things are to God, the way the story of the widow's mite does. And while it does not tell us about the costliness of being in the kingdom, the way the parable of the pearl of great price does, and though it does not tell us about what you have to go through to be fruitful in the kingdom of God, the way the parable of the sower does, it says something interesting. It's all about our everyday life. The kind of questions that, that, try to imagine this. Imagine that you're back 2,100 years ago in Palestine. And imagine that you are one of those many people walking from place to place with Jesus. What do you hear? What do you see? You're hearing people ask him all sorts of questions. You are seeing him touch people, heal people. You see him praying in public and in private. You hear him preaching and teaching. You see him confronting. And you see him struggle in his own prayer life for answers to, people, to people's questions. Maybe you hear questions like this. I'm a good person, so why do these bad things keep happening to me, Jesus? Or... Jesus, my parents always told me you reap what you sow. I didn't plan for this or act in a way where this should happen to me. What's up? Or, I'm going to find out if this thing I'm going to do in Vegas is really going to stay there and that no one in New Brunswick is going to find out about it. I mean, after all, what's done in Vegas stays in Vegas. Uh, right, Jesus? Can you imagine Jesus being asked questions like that? Have you ever asked Jesus questions like that? I know I have. I imagine that Jesus had to think and pray hard to come up with some great but easy to understand story 
that would answer these kinds of concerns about our everyday lives. Here's what I think Jesus was saying in that parable about wheat and weeds. I understand your frustration about how life can go. I hear you when you talk about your pain. I know that the hurts that come your way challenge your sense of what is just and what is right. But please, understand this. Many of the things that feed the good in us also feed the bad. Many of the things that feed those of you who do good also feed those who challenge you and frustrate you and do bad to you. And you know what? It is not our Father's way to deprive and hurt you by eliminating the things that feed the bad. God will not deny you sunshine and will not deny you warmth and rain simply to eliminate those who do harm. But it is also not God's way to leave you alone. God is aware. God is with you. And God has the end in mind. So when the great separation occurs, that's when the differences will be made. You and I can trust God for that. The sisters and brothers, that is important to remember as we go, it's important to remember as we go about our daily lives. God accompanies us, knows about our situations and all of the whys that frustrate us and challenge us. Jesus is with us. That is a faith we can take, no matter what we face. That parable is about living in the midst of our everyday lives. I mentioned that these are some reasons as to why I value that parable about weeds and wheat. There's also reasons why I value our psalm lesson from the 139th Psalm. In fact, in previous years, I used to imagine that if they, whoever they are, took the Bible from us and burned it all up, but said, you can choose only one part of one chapter to retain, well, I would keep those verses from the 139th Psalm. From them we could rediscover critical clues and crucial understandings about God and about God's relationship with us. And we'll spend the rest of our time this morning in this sermon looking at that. What fresh things can we learn about our Creator? Much of the time I will be doing the talking, but there will also be times when we will be silent together. And in these spaces of silence, be with yourself and with God around the text. Well, the first thing that I want to share with you about the 139th Psalm is that I sort of suspect that this writer was an elderly person. The psalm is not written from the point of view of a young person or even a middle-aged one. You know, normally when one is young or middle-aged, our sense of the immediate or the short-term or intermediate term, you know, really occupy us. 
but you have to have lived a long time to say things like 30 or 40 years ago I did such and such and this is how I changed over the decades well this psalm has that kind of feeling to it it's as if the writer is nearing the end of his or her life and looking back captures and shares conclusions about what he or she noticed or discovered or thought through concerning God. There is maturity in these words. There is a seasoning in them that can only come from reflection over time. In our discussion of this text, we will all use this tendency to look back over time and reflect on God's involvement with us individually. Now, think of it like this. The psalmist is talking privately to God, but is allowing us, you and I, to be present and listening in. How you experience the psalmist's words is important. Listen to your own heart. Attend to your own feelings. Watch what is taking shape in you as this wise prayer shares from the heart about what she has learned about God. Our first words. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. You know, oftentimes as I live my everyday life, my mind and emotions are given to a task at hand or a person in front of me or imaginings in my mind or to the TV that is entertaining me. I am busy or I am listening or I am resting or I... Did you notice how many times I said, I? Is your everyday like that? Lots of self-awareness, self-doing, self-concern. Also, my everyday life is filled with yous. Family, work or ministry associates, friends, people whom I don't know who are on the train or in the subway or at the grocery store. Do you notice how often relationships the few and the profound, or the many and the shallow, occupy your awareness. Our psalmist noticed something else in her moments as well, something different. God knows her. God knows her intimately. God knows intimately all 
that that writer thinks, says, or does, be they profound things or casual things or frivolous things. God knows intimately all the writer's words, all the writer's ways. Why? Well, I want to talk not about the psalmist now, but you. God loves you. It's as if God had nowhere else he would rather have been than with you. Can you imagine that? God knows all about you because it is as if in the universe there is only you and he. Is not that amazing? If you had done or been less than you might, or if you did something great and redemptive, God has known you. If you lost your way, God never lost you. That is this psalmist's conclusion about life. But he or she looked back over the long years of many moments and wondered, was I ever alone? The answer that came back was no. I am with you. Take a moment to think about God and you. What has happened in your life that has led you to conclude God knows you? has always been there with you, accompanies you. Let's take some time to reflect on that. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot understand it. A couple of weeks ago, my five-year-old granddaughter, Sophia, was hanging upside down and swinging on her parents' exercise machine. All of a sudden, she lost her grip and slipped. But her legs, her legs got tangled up in the equipment as she hung upside down. But just just before she cried out loud, her two-year-old brother, Isaiah, ran to her, threw his arms tightly around her, and placed his little body beneath her so that she would not fall onto the floor, but onto him. And he cooed to her to comfort her. Isaiah hemmed her in behind and before and he stayed there until I got to her to help her and to get untangled and to get out of her predicament. He hemmed her in behind and before. The psalmist's conclusion about God is just like that. This is more than awareness of us. This is why we squeeze each other's hand to deepen our sharing. 
This is why we pat and stroke each other's shoulders when we are faced with some challenge. Before we can call out loud, God knows our situation and he is there, encircling us, cushioning us, cooing to us, comforting us. And God was not there just one time. God was not there just two times. He was there because it is his nature to keep his hand on us. Let's spend a few moments now thinking about the times in your life when God held you to cushion and comfort you. Ask God to show you about hemming you in, not because you deserved it or because of the occasion of need, but because it is his nature to hold you Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee to get away from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle on the farthest side of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will steady me. Across the years of your life, have you ever really wanted to shut the door to your heart and mind to God? Have you ever wanted to really keep your private thoughts and intentions and actions private? Have you ever wanted to just take a break from being faithful and fruitful? That's exactly what our psalmist is writing about. These are the psalmist's questions, too. Why else would the psalmist write, Where can I flee to in order to get away from you? If I ascend to heaven. Have you ever experienced joy that was overflowing that no words could adequately express? Have you ever felt that? Or when the thing you lost suddenly shows up, maybe just where you left it, and you felt so relieved. It happens all the time with me, with my glasses, my keys, and some book that I'm reading. When your day feels endlessly long and wearisome, has some kind of fresh wind entered into it for you and changed your feel and connection with your moments? It's like ascending into heaven. I remember feeling an intense joy one evening when my Isaiah came into the living room, climbed into my lap, and laid his head on my chest for a really long time. His ear was right where he could feel my heart beating. And I remember thinking, I want my heart to beat really well for him. 
That moment was like ascending to heaven for me. Isaiah and I were there, but there was also a third. God. God was there. If I make my bed in hell, a good friend of my daughter, a young man in his mid-thirties, struggled for years with depression and despair. He used to say he often felt like he was cast into hell where the devil endlessly tormented him, plucking at his flesh and chewing on his soul. But he also said he met God there. And God would take him by the hand and lead him out to safety. There is a poem by Howard Thurman that says this. The mind tortured and crazed when all around worlds crash and winds blow hot over the parched and wasted places of my spirit. Where sin multiplies itself until at last all goodness seems swallowed up and devoured. When the chuckle of death is the only sound to be heard in the land, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Sisters and brothers, there is no way to shut the door on God to our ascents or descents. We cannot block God out. He is there. And finally, there is this last set of verses. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me and the light around me become night, well, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for to you, dark and light are the same. Now, I have to confess something here. I grew up believing that there were places that God would not or could not go. For example, that God turned his back on Jesus as he hung on the cross because God could not face sin. Another example that God would leave me if I were bad because the holiness of God is incompatible with sinful ways. Yet another example, that God is more present during church worship services, which are all about light, than he is in other parts of my everyday life, which contains spans of darkness and sin. Do any of these understandings ring a bell for you? 
I started reading these verses from this psalmist, a completely different picture of God's presence emerged for me. What we call darkness means nothing to God. How we distinguish between dark and light affects God not at all. That was a new thought for me, a revolutionary thought. That means that whatever is done in Vegas is as much in front of God's face as what is done in Second Reform New Brunswick. That means that the ends do not justify the means. That means that all that I think, say, and do, politically, economically, socially, relationally, in church, out of church, all that I think, say, and do have equal bearing in the face of God all the time. It means that how we treat each other ethically is a matter of high spiritual importance. It means that the great commandment does have two inseparable parts. Loving God with everything you've got and loving your neighbor as yourself. Darkness and light are the same. To conclude, the writer of this psalm took a long look at her or his long life and discovered a gem. God was there constantly, intimately, searching and knowing as if only God and that psalmist were alone in creation. Not because of deserving anything or because of some situation or other, but because it is God's nature to be there constantly and intimately. And what is true for this psalmist, sisters and brothers, is true for you and true for me. And that is a gem. So will you, today and perhaps several times in the coming week, think about, pray over, share with others about the message of this 139th Psalm? Will you ask God to show you in fresh ways the psalmist's discovery about what is true for you in it? Would you do that this week? Let us pray. Lord, we have looked at this psalmist's thoughts and we conclude how precious are your thoughts to us. How vast is the sum of them. Help us to see and value that whatever our situation or circumstance, you are still with us. In Jesus' name. In our bulletins is this prayer of blessing. Almighty God, grant that the words we have heard this day may, through your grace, be so grafted within our hearts that they may bring forth in us the fruits of the Spirit 
to honor and praise your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us stand together and say the confession of our faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Beginning of your bulletin, you see words there to please complete the card that's distributed by the usher and to, dis- to deposit it in the collection plate or deliver it to the usher by hand. Will the ushers come forward? give our thankful response to God through our prayers of God's people. Let us pray. We thank you, God, for speaking to us once again through some reflection on your word. With your spirit, may may you encourage us to realize anew the wonder of your creation, both in our persons and in all that we can celebrate and enjoy in nature all around us. Your spirit gives us life, and we cherish that life to share with all your people near and far. And again, this day, we remember before you the needs of all humanity, the young and old, single persons and families, believers and those who find faith difficult, lonely persons and persons who reach out to form community. We remember the sick, the imprisoned, military personnel on battlefields, and so many struggling with broken relationships. We think of those who have been discriminated against because of their ethnic background, gender, and sexual orientation, victims of injustice and hatred, wherever and whoever. Grateful for the freedom we, we enjoy in this country of boundless abundance, help us never to despise those who have led and those who lead us in local, state, and national government. Although some have abrogated their responsibilities and responsibilities, help us to be grateful for those who make bold sacrifices to promote the general welfare and safety of all. Help us to keep the material needs in our lives in perspective 
so that we may encourage our leaders to make decisions based on eternal values that will outlast all the material provisions we tend to hold so securely. And may we choose leaders, those who promote justice and peace for all. In your Son, Jesus, you promised us that the gates of hell would never prevail against your church, the body of Christ on this earth. Keep that promise, Lord, by empowering us, believers, to be, pe- to be people who ever transform what we believe into what we do so that your love and grace is repeatedly reflected through us. We thank you for the acts of compassion and love that have emanated from this church community and the blessings it has bestowed on so many throughout the years. May the people of this church continuously pay forward the kindness and mercy received by your grace. Author of grace and God of love, Send your Holy Spirit's blessing to your children here present as they raise their prayer concerns before you in the presence of this congregation. Keep our hearts and thoughts in Jesus Christ, your Son, our only Savior, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, after our service, we invite you to the choir room back here for coffee, fellowship, catching up, prayer, anything else you'd like to do together. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.